Today on Davis Percussion Discussion, I have a very special guest, Mr. Martin Vassen. Welcome, Martin. Hey, how do you do? You work at university, day That's job. Right. You, mm -hmm. do, you do a lot of video and audio stuff at That's the right. university there. Mm -hmm. And you run your own business alongside doing work at the university. It's called Parallel Sound. So you, in parallel to working your day job, you run your own audio production company. You do That's video right. as well or just audio? Um, I do, sometimes I get asked to, to do video productions, but the interesting thing is that, um, you know, I'm, I'm an audio guy f from origin. I, uh, I got interested in sound and audio very, very early on. So, you know, um, I took an interest to audio, I think seriously when I was about 25. You know, uh, I, uh, I saw all these guys having home studios at home, you know, and doing their uh, recording stuff. So I was in really interested in that. So I, I thought, well, you know, I want to learn more about audio and I want to do my own recording. I want to do my own songwriting and, you know, I want to learn how to multi-track stuff and how to mic uh, things up and how to do mixing. So I really concentrated on all that audio for years and years and years. And then suddenly, um, in my day job situation, there was this opportunity to go and do something with video. And I thought, well, okay, you know, I have done some editing uh, when I was a student, uh, but I have an interest, but I don't know that much about it really. So for the last, I guess, um, five, or five or six years or so, I'm really interested into this video stuff and I'm really learning about, you know, recording, setting up lights, uh, exposure, uh, you know, what's the perfect frame. And um, so um, in my day job, it's mostly video that I'm working on, but it's kind of seeping into Paraland Sound once in a while that people ask me, for, hey man, I, uh, do you want to shoot this uh, interview with me or uh, I have some editing? Uh, which I can't do myself, would you do it? And if I think it's fun, um, I'd, I'll do it. Um, and why did, you why did you start Parallel Sound to begin with? Was it just to have something else creative to do alongside your day job? Or what drove you to start your own business? Yeah. Um, well, I guess at that time, I wasn't that much satisfied with my day job. I wasn't doing video then at my day job. And I was missing something. Uh, some kind of a challenge. Uh, up to that point, I had uh, learned, you know, a lot of stuff um, along the way with uh, setting up your own business and, um, you know, handling customers. Uh, so at one point, I felt the confidence, and I was in audio school then, I hadn't finished audio school, but I had the confidence halfway through that education that I thought, I'm just going for it. I'll just set up this business, you know. Um, uh, um, I set up Facebook page. I uh, had somebody uh, set up my website, you know. And once you have done that and you set, you, you post on Facebook, hey guys, 
you can hire me. There are already people knocking on the door, right? That's interesting. You know, I have this uh, game which uh, we've worked on and uh, it, it needs music. Would you like to make some music that, that, that would go to it? And I said, yeah, sure, I can compose. I have the, the stuff at home to create this music, which I think would fit perfectly with this game. And the game was called Hyperbreaker Turbo. Mm -hmm. um, and it's addictive when you start playing. And um, I just thought, well, you know, this, this game looks so, re looks so retro, it needs a retro soundtrack. Yeah, so you've done some like retro kind of chip tune kind of yeah exactly vibe going on. yeah yeah we might, yeah we might we might throw some music in here for people to listen to but yeah, yeah that, sure that's, why not it's really cool yeah 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 <laughs> it's fun too you know I immediately got I immediately got that uh, Commodore 64 feeling you know that feeling yeah. that that we we had a Commodore 64 at home when I grew up and it had this typical sound to it mm -hmm. when you when it played music and I just wanted to get that eight bit kind of feel you know and uh, once in a while I fire it up and I play and I think well oh, it's a cool game yeah and, uh, and the music well, I'm still kind of proud of that so that awesome. first uh, little project was a lot of fun and you've done some stuff for radio as well I did some stuff for radio um, I have a friend who works in advertising he hired me a couple of times to do some uh, commercial stuff which is a totally different discipline by the way but Fun as well. Um, it, it involves some sound design stuff and some music. Uh, sound, desi sound design is a whole different ball game, you know, making sound effects yeah. and creating uh, the illusion of sound sometimes. Um, I think the most cool thing about sound design is when you have, what's the word? You have free, free, ha free reign. You mm -hmm. can do what you want, you can make all those you know, ridiculous science fiction kind of noises and put them to use within the game or the commercial that you're working on. Um, it's another thing than Foley because Foley, right, is you have to produce that exact sound of the, you know, the wrinkling of the cash register or whatever to go with that, what you see in the video. Um, I, th I think I, I enjoy it most when I have some kind of freedom. Nice. Have you managed to get drums into a, a game or a, a radio commercial? Um, yeah, I did. I did this uh, radio commercial. This is a secret, by the way. Um, I did a radio commercial for... Um, I can't remember what it was. It's on, my it's on my website. I can't remember the product. But it, uh, the, the, the music that was needed was jazz brushes, you know? Yeah. Uh, uh, the, the, the brushes on the snare drum. And at that, at that point, you know, I, I, I couldn't play it. I had to do it, you know, I first did the swirling on the, uh, and, uh, on the snare drum. And then the second take, I did the, uh, the hits on top because I couldn't do it at the same time. <laughs> don't, don't tell anyone. <laughs> it's fine. That's how a lot of people record stuff, you know, one track at a time and they just layer it up. <laughs> That's right. At that point, yeah. you know, I, I didn't play that much drums and uh, I thought, well, it's about the result uh, eventually. So um, um, it's fine. It, it was only later uh, that I decided that um, I wanted to be a better live drummer. You know, you, you obviously can't record, you can't multi-track yourself, you know, uh, first do the swirling with the brush and then you have to do everything in real time. 
when you when you are live on stage. Uh, so uh, at one point uh, I decided, uh, you know, it's time to pick up the drums uh, for, for real again and um, become a better live drummer. Nice. Let's talk about live drumming. Yeah. Because you've performed on stage. You have a, a band called Days of the Soyuz. That's right. Yeah. Which is a very atmospheric... Mm -hmm. uh, describe it to people. How would you describe Days of the Soyuz? Well, I guess you can say that you know those uh, black and white movies from the from the 20s and the 30s that didn't have any sound underneath them? They didn't have any sound? And uh, you, you might know this, but you know, people went to the theater back then and there was uh, pictures on screen and there was a piano player or somebody who yeah. ac accompan accompanied those pictures with music. Yes. Um, that's exactly what we do with Days of the Soyuz, uh, except uh, we don't have a piano player. Um, we have this band, which sounds like a space rock band, uh, actually, and we play... It sounds so great. Yeah, but it is. It's, it's so much fun to be part of this. And we play to this uh, grainy footage of American and Soviet spaceflight. We have this, uh, this uh, sequence of video, you know, that represents uh, an exploration into space. You have, uh, we start off with a liftoff sequence, and then we are in an orbit, and then an astronaut leaves the capsule to go on a, uh, what's the word, spacewalk? Yeah. And so on and so on and so on, and then we venture into space and re uh, we return to, back to Earth at the end. Um, so you have all these segments of film and for each segment we try to accompany that segment with a fitting soundtrack. And you know, um, you can imagine this by thinking of bands like Pink Floyd in their early days and you know, mid-70s Kraftwerk stuff, um, uh, Hawkwind, Osric Tentacle, some Jean-Michel Jarre. Tangerine Dream, spacey, atmospheric things. B because we have this terrific keyboard player who has all these sounds that immediately evoke that era, era in music of the late 60s, early 70s, when um, synthesizers first came into play. Um, and it was invoked to have those, you know, those long sequences of music uh, without any words a lot of times. Uh, but that did invoke some kind of um, uh, ethereal, dreamy atmosphere, which, which was great whether you were on drugs or not. It's, uh, you know, it's, it's yeah, and it's uh, so much fun to do a project. We improvise everything. We rehearse, uh, we do about two or three shows a year because we want to keep things interesting and fresh for us. And we do a, a rehearsal um, about a week before we have the show just to, you know, get reacquainted again with each other musically and socially. Um, and to, you know, get reacquainted with the footage we are going to play to because it's always the same. And it's important to, you know, go to the right kind of new sequence at the same time that the, 
that the film sequence also goes to another vibe. You know, it's yes. important to stay yeah. with, with the vibe of the pictures. That's, that's, the, that's the challenge. And the other challenge is, you know, you, ha you don't have any arrangements to fall back to. You know, you don't have any... Um, it's not like, you know, we play eight bars of uh, this uh, groove and then we go to double time uh, for another eight bars. Uh -uh, we don't... Uh, that's not the case. We just have to so look at... it's all just like an... It's an improvised kind of soundscape, right? It is, and um, it, but it ranges from. It's not, you know, it's not 45 minutes of just sounds. It's 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 actual music, and there is some music concrete. I think you can call it uh, in between there somewhere. Um, there is some. Uh, there are also some sequences who don't have any any drums that are, uh, you know, kind of um, almost me meditation music, perhaps. Yes. I think the challenge is to keep things interesting for 45 minutes because that's the length of our show for an audience, um, you know, without having uh, any musical structure uh, beforehand, you know, it's just like we have to follow the pictures, that's the main thing, uh, you know, the, the, the pictures evoke some kind of musical emotion or um, as you know, uh, when you edit stuff, uh, the shorter, the more cuts you do, you know, you, the more, the shorter the, 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 the segments are, uh, it, it evokes some kind of tempo when you put music mm -hmm. underneath. So that's, that's, I think that's the, 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 the thing that uh, is most important. It's about the pictures. We supply the soundtrack and it has to fit right. And sometimes, it, Sometimes it, it doesn't work. We we lose track. You know, it happens. Um, the power of the drummer is to say, hey guys, I'm going to play this groove because the groove we're in now is not working. I'm going to change things around. People listen to the drummer. When the guitarist, <laughs> does, when the guitar player does something, you know, uh, maybe people respond, but most of the time, nope. And as a drummer, you have the power to just go play another groove. And everybody turns his head and says, okay, we'll, we'll follow you. You have, uh, you have the power, you know, we listen to you. You have the authority. Nice. Hey, it's great to be a drummer, right? When did you first start playing live with, with, a, with a group? Um, I think my first band uh, was a band which came into play when I was about 15. Uh, I started playing drums at a very early age. I think I was five or six or something when I first came fascinated by the sound of drumming. Um, you know, my dad had all these, these cool police records uh, with Stuart Copeland drumming. And, uh, and I listened to them a lot. Um, and I kind of was Interesting. You know, you know this record of theirs, Regatta de Blanc, their second album. No, no. Uh, you, you should because there is some marvelous drumming on there. Um, and that was really kind of uh, an aha moment for me. You know, oh, what, what are all these noises? What are all these? What is that? You know, later I discovered oh, that's the hi hat, yeah. and. Um, 
I won't go into the guitar stuff that's going on on that record because that's also insane sometimes and super cool sound wise. But uh, the, the, the drums appealed very much to me and I, um, so I started to mimic all that sounds on pots and pans and cardboard boxes, you know, uh, um, as we all start out, I guess, when, you, when you're young. And uh, then I got my first drum kit when I was 12 and I really started getting serious about you know, playing the proper drum kit and finding out myself how to play it. I didn't have a teacher. There wasn't any YouTube around back then. Mm -hmm. um, so uh, most of the stuff I had to figure out myself, which, which was fine because uh, I loved it. I loved to explore all the sounds I could get out of that drum kit. And how did you learn in the early days? Was it with like books or DVDs or magazines no. or? I just, you know, had all these cool records at home. Okay. Yeah. Which, fr and, and there were some, when I was 12, there were some drummers that I really listened a lot to and I really liked. And one of them was uh, Stuart Copeland, obviously. Um, I really liked ZZ Top by then. I had a few early ZZ Top records. I don't, I don't think many people know this, but Frank Beard, the drummer of ZZ Top, is one badass <laughs> when he wants to be. Um, <laughs> there is this uh, uh, album of theirs called Te Tejas, T-E-J-A-S. Mm -hmm. Okay. And, and he does some insane stuff on there. You know, it's the kinds, the kinds that you wouldn't expect from a blues rock band, but I picked up a lot of... Um, techniques and 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 grooves from from that record and there were there were a few others um, mm -hmm. uh, simple minds uh, sparkle in the rain comes to mind um, uh, later on i discovered uh, john barnum and uh, ian pace you know uh, the, the the big hard rock fellas from the early 70s so i just played to what i heard I just played to the record and tried to mimic what I heard because um, I, did, I didn't know how to read music. Uh, I couldn't uh, uh, you know, go on the internet because that didn't exist. I didn't have a teacher. So I think it was just you know, the will to go out and explore and get to know and learn about this instrument um, that kept me going. I, I, just, I think mm -hmm. I had some kind of passion and I guess it's the same with you. You know, you picked up this instrument because you had some kind of interest or passion about it. It just appeals to you. Um, yeah. Yeah. And to answer your previous question, I studied very, very hard for about three years. And when I was 15, I joined my first band. Wow. Which uh, was a school band. Um, we played you know, some covers by uh, Pink Floyd and by uh, The Kinks, I remember. We played Lola and, um, and we delved into our own songwriting, which is pretty, you know, it's pretty, uh, what's the word? It's pretty, pretty challenging. Yeah, pretty challenging when you're, when you're 15 years old and you decide. Yeah, you jumped in at the deep end. Yeah, so we can write our own songs, why not? You know, um, <laughs> and I, re I remember s some of the songs we, we composed together. Some of them were pretty, pretty okay. And some of them, you know, mm -hmm. um, <laughs> let's forget about Experimental. Those. Experimental. Yeah, yeah, let's keep it at that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know? 
And is that band still in existence now? No, it's not. But I, um, but I still, you know, the singer from that band. Did, what, did he sing then? No, I think he was the keyboard player in that band. He, he started singing later on. Uh, still one of my best friends, and uh, we played together in Fabric Royale, the band I played in before Days of the Soyuz, and I played with him. You know, I think all throughout the 90s in several bands and projects. Um, you know, you, you find somebody, I hope you do find somebody, I hope you'll get the same experience. You find people with which you have some kind of musical click, maybe, some kind of musical, you know, you, you have the feeling that you're on the same page, musically speaking. And this guy, uh, Robert Hugh Brown, I play, I play in his solo project, uh, now as well, you know, I d we just can't get to, we, we can't seem to get rid of each other. We have been friends for about 30 <laughs> years and, and we still play this music together uh, and it is great. Yeah, I think when you, when you found awesome. your, uh, when you found your, uh, your, your perfect bandmates, well I wouldn't say it was perfect because we had hurdles too that goes with, uh, with being in a band too, but you know, when you have a good vibe with a musician, musically and socially speaking, um, why not uh, revisit each other when you want to? Mm -hmm. You said something interesting there about what you learn through drumming. So yeah. you've been in various bands since, so you were learning, kind of picked up the drum bug when you were kind of six, you got your first kid at 12, you joined yeah. a band at 15, you started writing stuff. Yeah. You went through a couple of iterations with Fabric Royale, right? That's you, right. You played with them for a period and then you kind of went away and then, then it came back, is that right? That's true. Um, you know, I think that drumming was some kind of, what's the word? Some kind of, I think in Holland we say a red line, something that keeps appearing throughout your life, something to hold on to, something to cling to. Okay, yeah. Um, yeah. And drumming was that for me for, me for a long period. Um, as I said, you know, I was fascinated by drumming early on and I keep, th th this particular instrument kept drawing me in, you know, kept calling me. The drums kept calling me and say, um, you need to play this instrument. You have to. And, and I mean that not in some kind of you have to with a gun to your, to your head kind of manner, but um, it just appealed to me. Uh, and now I forgot your question. <laughs> so I was really asking about the, the life lessons. Yeah, and exactly. The, yeah. Things, the things that you learn through being involved in drums for a long period yeah. of time in different yeah. aspects. So both learning then playing in a band yeah. and then mm -hmm. doing your live performances yeah. and yeah. obviously yeah. leading to the sound engineering that you studied and studying yeah. audio and then coming back to the drums with that added kind of perspective. And you learn a lot along the way. So what are some of the things that you've kind of, you've learned about yourself and about, about yeah. life from drumming? Yeah, yeah, exactly. So I was talking about that red line that must be an English expression, which fits better, but, um, and at, at one point, I figured, you know, I want to make drumming my, my career. I want to make it my life. Uh, you know, I had this dream about um, becoming a really good 
drummer and having this really cool band and touring the world and you know I guess a lot of people dream about that life and so did I and um, so when you're actually in a band for the first time you notice that okay here is all kind of this not only musical stuff that you learn you know like listening to the other guys and anticipating to what somebody else is playing uh, but it's also the I guess the psychological and social stuff about it you know it's it's give and take when you're in a band you know um, you can't just say I'm always right my idea is always the best idea for this song that doesn't work that way you have to exchange stuff you have to listen you have to respect each other as musicians you have to keep talking you have to sometimes kill your darlings you have to um, as I said you have to give some and you have to take some so you, sometimes you you know you get overruled and I, I was always this loner kid I didn't have that much friends that said seems dramatic but I don't mean it that way but now I'm in this band and I have to learn you know how to to deal with other people in a family-like setting because your band is your family man your band is your family when things are correct correct then your band is your family and you have to treat them that way so I was learning about that you know and to respect the other guys and, and not always be convinced of my own that my own idea is the best idea because that's not the case so I guess I learned you know about functioning in a group instead of functioning as an individual that sounds pretty heavy now that I'm talking about it but it's true you know you can learn so much from being in a band of course you learn all the musical stuff too you know what fits this song does my initial idea fit this song well let's record that idea listen back and then we know so um, um, I can sincerely say that whatever musical project you're in whatever band you're playing in at, at the moment or, or you will be playing in the, le the life lessons learned there and the musical lessons learned there you know they are so valuable they have so much value for for an individual and some lessons you can't get anywhere else um, I know that when we started out with Fabric Royale for instance which was in the early 2000s we had um, several personnel changes and at one point you know there were those four guys um, and, it, it, and, it, and it felt like a tribe it felt like a tribe of warriors you know every time we we were in the rehearsal room and we were uh, working on our song on our song material or when we were on stage together it truly felt like hey man you know I wouldn't say we're at war here but we're you know we're, we're more than mates we're 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 more than fellow mu musicians we are um, you know we belong together in this moment to play this music we're on a mission man <laughs> you know something like that um, and that's a special feeling that's that that, that 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 the feeling that you belong somewhere 
within a certain group, um, within a certain setting, and whether it's musical or not. But uh, I guess we all want to belong somewhere, eventually. Yes. Do you feel like you were? Do you feel like you were looking for that, or do you feel like it kind of happened to you and then you discovered it? Was it something yeah. you were seeking, or it just yeah? Did it? I think subconsciously, I was searching it for a long, long time. Um, and when you eventually find it, you r instantly recognize, ah, this is it. This is the place where I need to be right now. These are the people that I have to complete this mission with right now. Um, and we did that for a couple of years back then. And the whole thing collapsed at one this point. This was in the early 2000s? This was in the early 2000s. Uh, the whole thing collapsed um, for several reasons. Um, and, you know, I started reflecting my, my playing uh, at this point. One moment. I started reflecting my playing at this point and, and, I, and I was really dissatisfied with what I heard. Um, and my mind played tricks on me. My mind said, you know, one of the main reasons that this band didn't take off the way you wanted to is because you suck as a drummer. Oh, no. Yeah, which is, which is harsh, you know, but sometimes your mind plays tricks on you. Sometimes your mind gives you information for one reason or another, which, um, which, which throws, you, throws you off balance. And um, the consequence was that, you know, I didn't play drums for 10 years. I, wow. Yeah, I had, I had this, um, this super cool... Scratch drum kit, which I'm sitting uh, uh, behind right now, um, uh, and I figured, wow, hey man, I'm playing Gratch now, so you know I have to live up to that. Um, but as I said, I, I got so dissatisfied with my playing um, that I uh, put the Gratch, uh, the Gratch in the suitcases and put them in the attic and didn't look at them for many, many years. I sometimes took them out for when I needed them for a recording, but you know, that was it. I wasn't, um, I wasn't really drawn to, drawn, drawn to them at that point. But so what drew you back? Um, what drew me back was that um, the members of Fabrique Royale did remain friends. And the guitar player, uh, who is also in Days of the Soyuz right now, uh, he's still one of my best friends and he remained one of my best friends and we visited each other uh, throughout that 10-year period frequently. And uh, there were all these Fabric Royale songs that we wrote together, but we never recorded. And so once in a while when we visited each other, we'd listen to the re rehearsal tapes and we'd look at each other and say, oh man, it's such a pity that these were never recorded properly. We should do that sometime. And, but we never did um, until about five years ago. You know, 
I guess 10 years went by and we said, you know, 10 years is a long enough period to have said to each other, we should do this sometime. I think sometime is now. So we got everybody together. Everybody was interested to record these tracks together in my home studio here. And we were very, very pleased with the end result. And we didn't even had planned to go back on stage again until we heard the final master of that EP that we made in 2015. And we said, um, you know what, guys? I think it's time to uh, go play live again, too. And, and yeah, we, 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 um, we booked a rehearsal space. I can remember the moment clearly. We booked a rehearsal space, we set up gear, uh, we, uh, we um, studied uh, some songs beforehand to play that evening. And you know, we, we played the first song, tick, 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 boom, 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 boom. And immediately that feeling was back. The feeling of, you know, hey man, it's again those four guys playing that particular music, and it gives me that tribe feeling again and it's great i wouldn't go that far as to say that i missed it because i did other interesting stuff during those 10 years but you know i immediately had that special feeling again um and that hit me in the face i thought wow man it's, it's wow so nothing changes um as far as that is concerned and we were all you know thrilled about going back to the stage again it took some polishing. It didn't always work uh, to do it in a live setting, um, but you know, we had some great times and we met some uh, great people. You know that life on the road, as when you're a band, life on the road, is, it's, it's great. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so where have you played? Uh, we played uh, all throughout the southern part of the Netherlands and we played one, one show uh, in Belgium too, in Antwerp which was kind of challenging because there was a, um, what's the word in English? There was, a, the, there was a limit as far as the decibels we could produce yeah. al allowed, <laughs> which was hard for, for, you know, when you're playing loud, uh, heavy guitar riff rock music. Um, but we, we played a lot of shows. We played in Amsterdam too, and we, we, um, and we have a lot of good memories about it. But the, the, you know, and playing live for an audience, that's a big thrill. Um, but the, the cool thing as well is that you meet all these people, you know, at the venue. You know, people who come to see your show, uh, other bands that play that evening, uh, the people uh, from the venue, the guys behind the bar, you know. It's a great way of um, meeting people who also like music. Uh, finding your people, yeah. finding your people. Finding like-minded people, um, you know, people that come up to you and, and s for instance say, oh man, you know, that particular song that you played reminds me so much of the Bad Motorfinger album by Soundgarden. Oh yeah, 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 that's one of my favorite albums. And you immediately have something to talk to for, you know, an hour and a half because there is so much, <laughs> there is so much going on on that particular album to talk about. Not e not not alone in the drumming re department, but you know, everything. Um, 
So, and it's the same, same experience that we had last year at the Dromeo meeting. You immediately find those people uh, which instantly, you know, you have this vibe with that, you know, oh, we share the same passion. We can talk about uh, Jojo Mayer for, uh, for the rest of the evening and never, get, <laughs> and never get bored and we learn new stuff, you know. Oh, check out that YouTube video. He does this and this and that at, I don't know, 31 minutes and 24 seconds. Um, so it's great. It's great to learn, to meet new people, uh, to get your kicks, um, to play yourself into ecstasy when you have a good, uh, good evening. Uh, so I can only recommend to, recommend to everybody who's watching right now, be in a band. That's you guys. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Including myself. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I've, I've performed with, with a couple of different drum crews mm -hmm. and I've played live in front of people and, and the atmosphere that you, you get from that and the, the energy that you feel from that. Exactly, yeah. Is incredible and it does keep you going and it's like, yeah, yeah this is why I'm doing, this is why I'm doing this. This is why I'm playing these different drums and I, I play bass in a band called Harbingers. I ah, play ah. Japanese taiko, Japanese taiko drumming as ah, well, wow. which is that's insanely excellent. fun, and it's a ah. great workout. So that's kind of like my alternative to the gym, is how oh, I describe it to people because it, sound, it keeps sounds me good. fit. It's a it's a lot of heavy physical drumming. Um, I just wanted to unpick mm -hmm. a thread that's been running through what we've been talking about, which is not being afraid to experiment yeah. without knowing the outcome. Mm -hmm. And just trying something and yeah. seeing what it sounds like or seeing what it feels like. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And then and then riffing on that. So talk a little yeah. bit about the idea yeah. of mm -hmm. um, the unknown and kind yeah. of taking a bit of a leap and trusting your gut in a way. Yeah. Well, I think, you know, that we are drummers. Um, but that doesn't necessarily mean that we have to play a backbeat all the time. Um, I guess that when you first start out with playing drums, you start to, you know, um, play rudiments and play simple grooves and stuff, which I think is great to begin with. But, you know, I think everybody wants to find their voice on their instrument at some point. Um, and to me, I think you cannot find the whole of your voice when you restrict yourself, you know, when you limit yourself to certain stuff, I think you have to let go of the idea that every song you're gonna play to needs this friggin' backbeat with kick on one and snare on two and so forth. Um, you can make more noise than that with drums. So, um, you know, I think that um, you have to look at drumming from the perspective that you are making sounds instead of I'm just a guy that supplies the groove for this particular song. Oh, that, there's more to it okay. than that. There's more to it than that. You, you, can, you are uh, producing sounds um, uh, within a particular range, which is you know, obviously drums and cymbals and percussion instruments. And I'm not even talking about, you know, using something like the SPDS, 
you know, the Roland pad or anything else electronic, because you can, you know, produce all kinds of other sounds when you start using that. So I would suggest that you as a drummer, okay, you're responsible for holding the groove, you're responsible for keeping time, sure. But think of yourself more as I'm someone, I'm a musician more than a drummer, and I can produce all kinds of sounds uh, besides the usual boom, pap, boom, pap, boom, pap, you know? You don't have to do that all the time. Um, how, would you, how would you suggest that people experiment with that and learn that ability? Because obviously a lot of people are yeah. maybe learning the rudiments, they're, they're learning mm -hmm. backbeats, they're learning yeah. the, the basics. Yeah. And when they're put into a situation where they might have to play with other people or in front of other people, yeah. I guess one big fear is that you don't want to screw up. Yeah, okay, you don't yeah. want to get anything wrong. So you, you kind of restrict yourself. So how would you encourage people to explore creatively? Is it playing to other music? Is it just listening to a lot of other music? Well, Is I it guess mucking about or yeah, I think it starts with you know don't be afraid of the unknown, and don't be frightened by you know the possibility that you might make a mistake or that you might be you know start start to play a groove and it doesn't act exactly work out like you had planned it to. It's all right to make mistakes, man. It's, it's okay. Um, I think that, you know, all the great adventurers we have in this world and we, we, have, we have had in history, all those, you know, uh, great explorers and people that didn't know what the unknown was going to be, they took risks, you know, they took big risks. Yes. Yeah. Um, uh, and it's okay to take risks. It's, uh, it's all right, you know. Um, um, I think that the, some of the most interesting music or something, some of the most interesting sounds produced come out of, you know, letting go of all the conventional playing that we're used to playing and just, you know, try something else. And it, and it can be, you know, groove-wise or sound-wise or rhythm-wise. Uh, there are so many po uh, possibilities which, which you can alter um, your, your setup or your usual patterns that you play. Um, and I guess it's, it's fair to say that for some people that comes naturally. You know, they just hear a, they just hear a song without any drumming and, and they instantaneously have this uh, idea, you know, to go and play this, uh, this or that you know, pattern on top of it and use this or that snare drum with this or that tuning, all that stuff matters, man. You know, uh, the pitch of your snare matters. It gives, it can, it get, uh, a low tuned snare can give a song a totally different vibe than a, a super high pitch snare. Mm -hmm. But in the beginning, you're obviously not focusing on stuff like that because if your knowledge is very limited. Yeah. Um, so. I guess I'm asking for myself because my knowledge of drum kit yeah. is is really limited. I've I've not yeah. been playing that long. Yeah. Okay. And when uh, you're trying to focus on playing the groove right, you're not thinking about what's the sound of my snare. Yeah. Can I yeah. adjust it? What what are my dynamics like? Am I playing the ride too loud, or am I playing the crash too soft, or the hi hat too too loud? How yeah. do I change the dynamics? Yeah. yeah. 
how do I then experiment with sound and all these other things that you can do to augment what you're playing. Yeah. You, you kind of have to go step by step to, I guess, learn the basics, learn some of the rules, learn some yeah. of the cliches. Mm -hmm. But then at the same time, yeah. I suppose what we're saying is not be afraid to experiment along the way. I think that, you know, you don't have to wait until you master the basics to go down that path. I think Absolutely. you can, I think you can, um, you know, instantaneously when you go s sit behind the drum kit for the first time, uh, you know, you can start playing your snare, sounds what it looks like, uh, you know, focus on what it sounds like, then detune it completely, and then play it again. And you immediately recognize, oh yeah, okay, so now this particular drum evokes a different emotion than it did 30 seconds ago. And, you know, the realization, realiza reali realization, exactly, <laughs> of, of that particular concept, you know, that is important. And yes, I think that, yeah. that e everybody who goes, who sits behind, you know, there's no escaping from it to not hear that, you know, you, you're going to hear that difference. Yeah. Um, so, um, and uh, probably uh, you have a preference, you know, oh, this sound appeals to me more than the sound I had 30 seconds ago when it, before I detuned that snare drum. Yeah, so, so it's really about thinking about what you're doing and actually critiquing it is probably the wrong word, but actually mm. being aware. Yeah, being aware. What, is it, what does it sound like? How yeah. do I, again, recording yourself, yeah. watching yourself back, listening to it back. When you're in the moment, you feel like it maybe yeah. was, was going really well and then you listen back and you hear some inconsistencies or you yeah. hear something that you, you yeah. weren't doing mm -hmm. correctly. Yeah. Or you also get an idea from listening to yourself back. Oh, what if I tried this thing at that point? Exactly. And then you can, you, you yeah. can experiment. So don't be afraid of that. Uh, you know, what, what comes to mind is that I think a, a general misconception is that, um, you know, you have to have all this technique under your belt to start experimenting or to start... Guilty as charged. Yeah, you don't, you know. Um, <laughs> Let me give you an example here. I'm a, I'm a huge Pink Floyd fan, right? Yeah, yeah. And, and Pink Floyd has this drummer, Nick Mason. You know, it, I think it's fair to say that he isn't the most technical drummer in the world. Uh, he has, you know, he, he, he plays fantastic stuff, but he, d but he doesn't have all this flashy chops and, you know, he doesn't do all this, um, the, the, those flashy, fast things on the, you know, he's fairly simple in, what, in, in his uh, approach to drumming. That's, you know, he has only one signature fill. Every Pink Floyd fan knows which one. Go find it. Um, <laughs> and um, there, there is this song, uh, Set the Controls for the Heart of the Sun, which is a fantastic uh, Pink Floyd song from the early days. And, you know, it's this, I think it's nine minutes long or something. It has this <laughs> ethereal, dreamy vibe to it with a repetitive bass uh, pattern. And um, uh, this reverby guitar and, and keyboard notes, you know, it, it, it evokes this place. It, it, it evokes, you know, you're in outer space somewhere, maybe on a spaceship and you're on a journey 
And you know, you immediately get that feeling when you hear this song. And the drumming on that song is, is, is a very simple tom pattern um, with, and with the, the snare drum, with the snare wires turned off. And it's this repetitive, almost African rhythm. You know, you don't have to be a musical genius to be able to play that. But this guy has obviously found his voice for this particular song. You know, maybe they tried a backbeat. You get a totally different song that way. And I guess, you know, the, the sounds that he heard in the rehearsal room when they first played that song evoked some kind of drumming for him, which wasn't the backbeat, and he had to go in search of something else. You know, he was kind of pushed to... So it helps, it helps to being in a band, people. It helps to be in a band, you know? Uh, other mu musicians can give you stuff, and you have to react to it, and it doesn't necessarily mean you have to play that freaking backbeat again <laughs> and, th and in the case of that particular Pink Floyd song you know he was forced to be creative go in search of something else and uh, ultimately he chose to play those toms and that snare drum with the snare wires off with mallets and play this African rhythm which eventually adds to the hypnotic vibe of the song and it's perfect yeah. And, and, and that drummer, Nick Mace, you know, he is a, um, he's a legend. Yes, he is a legend. But his drumming skills, mm, he's not particularly well known for that. Mm -hmm. Sorry, Nick. So it's more of a, it's more of a musicality. Exactly, Obviously, yeah. you know, drums being one part of a, of a band. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. There are two ways of looking at that. There's obviously listening to what the guitarist and the singer and the keyboard player, whoever would come up with ideas. Yeah. Uh, and then putting what you feel works or like going out and finding something on the drums that would work with what other people have come up with. But you can also flip that around and you can yeah. also come up with a drum part yourself. Yes. And then present that to, to the other people that you might be playing with and saying, hey, what about, what can you do with this groove? What can yeah. you do with this pattern? I think that, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's uh, not always uh, how things are commonly going within a band, that the drummer is the guy who says, or the girl, who says that, um, hey, uh, you know, from behind the drums, I have an idea for mm -hmm. a song. You know, mostly as the yeah. guitar player with his big mouth. You know, he's in the rehearsal space, he cranks up the amp and he says, I got a new riff for a new song, listen to this man. And we all have to, <laughs> and we all have to anticipate on that. But, you know, you're so right when you, when you say, you know, it, can, it can, might just as well be the drummer who is the person in the room who says, um, it's time for a new song, man. And I have this uh, super cool groove which I worked out at home. Have a listen to this and um, see if, we, if you guys can come up with something that matches that. There is this great right. drummer. I'm a, I'm a huge fan of the band Camel. They are a uh, prog rock band from the 70s. That the, the drummer they had back then is, is, is a guy called Andy Ward. And I'm a huge fan of his playing. Um, I guess that, you know, he's the kind of drummer who sometimes, uh, you know, 
puts his finger up from behind the drum kit and says, hey guys, I, I have this super cool groove and it's, and it's okay to play that groove, you know, when I'm at home on my practice kit over and over and over and over and over again just to get <laughs> my kicks. But we, we might as well make a song out of this. Mm -hmm. um, you know, there, there are a few of the uh, of Camel songs uh, which originated from a drumming groove, a drum groove, which he came up with. Uh, you, you know, listen, for instance, to a song like uh, Skylines. Um, okay. uh, it's, it's, it's a ridiculous, uh, uh, what's the word? It's a 916th, 916th. <laughs> okay. Really old time signature, yeah. It's odd yeah. time, yeah, but, but it flows and it, you know, you don't, when you're listening to it, you know, it, it doesn't feel like odd time. It just feels mm -hmm. like, uh, okay. like, this, like this groove that, you know, you can bob your head to and, uh, you know, you can, which you don't want to stop, actually, because it, it feels so good <laughs> to, 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 to listen to those drums as a listener and to, you know, um, uh, to really enjoy uh, the groove, which is the basis for that song, you know, yeah, just, yeah. so the drummer can easily be somebody in the band. Doesn't have necessarily to be all time or anything, but you know, um, uh, come up with a groove that maybe doesn't have kick drum, or maybe uh, you know, play a, a really ridiculous hi hat pattern instead of the you know the 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 eight notes that we are used to. Um, you know, throw a throw a towel on the snare, throw a towel on the uh, on the floor, Tom. You know, um, um, I don't know. Just play kick. Just only play kick drum. You know. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. There, there is this uh, this this YouTube video of Stuart Copeland. Uh, you know, and and he's he is teaching some guys in the audience, and he says, you know, you don't really need a backbeat, you know. Sometimes you only just need a kick drum. So, and he plays, you know, this groove from what's the song? Um, uh, Bring on the night. Um, okay. And it's just hi hat and kick drum, and it doesn't have any snare at all. Um, right, right. And but it's it, it grooves, and it's it's great to listen to, you know. So, um, when you're a beginner drummer, and you don't have all this technical stuff, um, and but you want to experiment, go out there and, you know, be a writer, be a composer for your band, then, uh, you know, the simplest concepts can, can make you, make your groove stand out, can make your groove something else. Just like I said, you know, uh, don't play snare drum all throughout the song or, um, you know, uh, exchange your hi-hat for a, um, you know, for electronic drum pad and program some silly synthesized percussion sound uh, to play whenever you play that pad. Now, it's not, ju it's not just the rhythm um, um, and the groove that you're supplying uh, to the rest of the band um, that will set up that new song that you are composing together. The sound that you produce, let's talk about sound again, the sound that you produce evokes some kind of emotional reaction from the rest of the band whenever you start playing, you know. Um, when you start, um, for instance, when you caress the drums with brushes and play so a brush groove 
on Hyatt, on Snare, or whatever, um, that will evoke another response sound-wise from the guitar player as that you open up the Hyatt and bash on your snare like a caveman, you know, because that's where that will probably the guitar player will uh, will engage his uh, distortion pedal and start shredding away. So again, you as a drummer have the power to um, define what that new song that you're working on uh, will be like. Don't don't underestimate that ever. You know, yeah. you, don't be afraid to, to change something. I guess like a scientific experiment, you just change one thing at a time. Don't overwhelm yourself with trying mm. to think you have to do all this crazy stuff. That's right. Yeah. Play, play one beat and then change one thing. Yeah, change exactly. where you're putting your right hand or your left hand. Like yeah. move stuff around, but just change yeah. one thing. Yeah, really exactly. good advice. You can keep it simple. And are you working on anything new at the moment? Oh man, I'm working on lots of stuff. Um, <laughs> I think the, mo I the most... It. Yeah, the most interesting thing at this moment is that I just joined this uh, new wave electro band called. Ooh, uh, okay. Yeah, they're called Fools of Liberty, and when you first time you hear them, uh, uh, the feeling I got is, well, wow, man, this is some kind of Sisters of Mercy record that I never heard before, because okay. they really come close to that sound that the Sisters of Mercy used to have. Um, but the challenge is that on the recording that they used, this band, Fools of Liberty, the drumming is a drum machine. And um, I'm now part of that band as a live drummer and I have to find a way to play that, those challenging parts which somebody who is not a drummer programmed into this drumming machine. <laughs> you know how it goes. They think differently. Um, I have to find a way to, you know, um, I aim to play that those parts literally, um, which is a ch you know, which is even a bigger challenge. Um, you would have to put your own interpretation on it, right? You'd have to come up with something that's a little bit different from a drum machine. Um, yeah, but I can kind of feel that. The band leader of that band has a uh, preference that, you know, when I uh, join that group on the live stage, would want to hear exactly what he's used to when they are in the rehearsal mm, space okay. without me, right? Mm -hmm. um, but it's okay. I, for me, that's a whole new challenge. For me, that's a whole new um, er area where I can sink my teeth into. Um, so, I think that's the reason why I finally bought a double kick pedal, because ah, there are th okay. these, these ri ridiculous patterns uh, at, at, I don't know, 200 plus BPM, which I want to play um, uh, comfortably. Yeah, so without your foot falling off. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, I'm going to need my feet. Um, so, you know, for me, that, that's a new challenge and a new impulse to say, okay, maybe this is a good time, good time to actually start um, uh, practicing double, double kick playing. So I'm really into that. Um, I did um, propose another sound to, to the band leader 
as the ones you hear on the record. You know, I can, I can mimic, I can play those exact sounds. You know, I have electronic stuff which, which I can. But um, as a sound guy, because I studied sound engineering, I don't know if we mentioned this, as a, as a sound guy, I thought it would be more interesting to find another voice uh, on the drums that would fit that particular kind of music, you know, new wave music. You know, you can think about The Cure, uh, Killing Joke, uh, Early Simple Minds, all that kind of stuff. Um, so the sound from that era, which I really liked, was, you know, the early Cure sound, which has this really dark drumming sound, you know, low-tuned snare and um, big-size rototoms and um, the particular trashy splash kind of sound cymbal-wise. So I put together a drum kit just like that. So I have my own voice which fits that particular uh, style but it's just comfortable for me to play. T you know, I rather play acoustic drums than electronic drums if I'm fair, if I have to be fair. Um, uh, but it's fun. It's fun to go and search for a particular voice for that particular band or that particular musical project um, to perfectly fit that music style. Mm -hmm. It's so fun. So you're rehearsing at the moment, are you? Or have you, have you got any gigs planned? Yeah, I'm rehearsing at the moment. Uh, we have gigs planned at October, which will be my first gig with that band. I really look forward to it. I guess everything starts again in October. We have October uh, gigs with uh, Days of the Soyuz again. I look, okay. I'm, looking, yeah. I'm looking forward to that. Uh, there is this other band I used to be in uh, from the 90s called Stov Stov, um, which, which we're also having a reunion with. So <laughs> I, gu I guess, you know, uh, all these musical projects uh, come along on my path and uh, it's so much fun to grab them and to see all right <laughs> what what kind of kind of fun can i have with this and what kind of new stuff can i learn with this um, so i guess you know uh, drumming should be fun and should be provide you with new skill and new information and new life lessons in my in my opinion you know yeah, yeah. Uh, you you can t yeah you can take so much out of your drumming and, and it's okay to be aware of that once in a while. So, if you know, oh yeah, what did the, what did the drumming give me, uh, you know, um, the, the last couple of years? I hope you had some enjoyment. I hope you had fun because, you know, um, it's important. I can't, uh, for me, it's very difficult to practice something when it isn't fun, you know? I'm not the kind of guy who plays paradiddles uh, for about an hour at uh, 180 BDM, BPM. You know, it's, it's no fun. Um, so I'm constantly looking for fun ways to practice and to, uh, to get ahead in drumming. And experimenting. So really yeah. it's about, like you say, having fun, experimenting yeah. with your sound, mm -hmm. coming up with some new ideas, trying stuff out and not being afraid if it doesn't quite work the way you expect it to. And sometimes that's the best thing. It doesn't quite work as you expect it to, but something yeah. else comes out of that. That's and true. And sharing, 
sharing what you're doing with other people. I'm a big proponent for sharing yeah. stuff, obviously on platforms like Drumeo and yeah. Instagram and YouTube That's... and, and, and podcasting and just spreading the, the, the kind of spreading the love, sharing the love of drums. I think that's showing yeah. that. Yeah, I think that's an interesting subject that you bring up. You know, um, sharing stuff. Um, I think it's fantastic that we are live in an age now that it's so easy to be able to share stuff. You know, you just throw something online and people can watch it and and learn from you. Um, Back in the day when I first started out, that was really not the case. You know, you just had to gather your own info information from here and there. Uh, you know, there was this um, show on TV called Rock School. I don't know if you remember that show. It was about... No, I'm not aware of that. 1980, no. 1985, 1986. It was this British TV show where people, you know, instructed drumming, drums and instructed playing guitar and instructed bass on TV. You know, and that was really, you know, about the only thing that I could get new information from. Um, I, al I also had this um, mentor uh, person, uh, was a colleague from my dad, um, who also played drums and he sometimes come to the house and gave me so his old sticks and his old drum heads for me to have and he tuned my drums and we, we talk about drumming and you know when you tune it like this it sounds like this and uh, this drum head is double plied uh, which means it sounds more like this listen to the difference you know so that mentor person his name was Jos um, that's all the information you know that you had to go search for it and all nooks and what's the expression all nooks nook and crannies yes that's the one yeah so nowadays um information is everywhere and i'm just i'm starting to realize more and more that you know i as an as a as an individual or, or a, a drummer with at least some experience i might have the valuable piece of information that this other drummer guy who lives in hong kong or who lives in uh, singapore or wherever else is searching for i'm starting to realize that more and more how important it is to share the information that you have and even if you're just starting out you know you don't have to think that oh, i'm just a beginner drummer i don't have anything to share or i don't have any uh, valuable information for that other drummer to share, you know, you might have, you might mm -hmm. just have, you know, uh, there are experiment. Yeah, certainly. But also I think, you know, when, when you are a beginner, you might be insecure about what you're doing. So it's great to have other beginner, other beginners out there, which you can communicate to and have the same experience. So you don't feel that alone in your, in your exploration, in your search. Um, so yeah, um, I, what's the, what's the English word? I urge you to share, even if you think this is not worth sharing, this is not worth sharing. Well, it might be, and it might be just that kind of information that's of a lot of value to that other guy or that other girl. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Um, yeah. So if any of you guys watching this have something to share, then drop it in the comments. We'd love to see your stuff.
That's right. Right. All right. Cool. Yeah. That seems like an awesome place to, to end this, uh, okay. Martin. It's been a pleasure talking with you. Likewise. Is there anything else you wanted to, to mention before we wrap up? No, I just want, want to mention, I think that, you know, um, whatever you do, whether it's drumming or something else, you know, be aware that you keep having fun. Be aware that you're learning new stuff. Um, and make sure that you help others in your journey. You, you know, like you said, share whatever you think you can share. Don't be, don't be afraid, don't be insecure. If you are insecure, share it. Share it with us, you know, put it in the forum <laughs> somewhere and we'll boost your self-confidence, man. Because that's what we're all here for. We're all here to help each other. I guess that's what I want to say. Yeah. Like Danny said last episode, drummers are an amazing group of people. It's an amazing community to be a part of. And sharing things, even when you feel like you're not worthy, mm -hmm. then other people will see the value in you sharing stuff and they'll yeah. encourage you. And it's just a great community to be a part of. So it is. Share yeah. away. Um, yeah. Show us what you're working on. Share your struggles. Don't be afraid to talk about what you're, what you're working on and, and what you're having a problem with. Yeah. Because there's a lot of other drummers that will step in and support you and, and help you out. Yeah, exactly. I don't have anything to add to that. Well said. Beautiful. Thank okay. you very much, Martin. I'm sure we will talk again. I hope so. And hopefully we will meet each other next year at the European Drumio Hangout 2021. Bigger and better. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it, man. I hope uh, we'll, we'll see each other again then. Definitely. And with Dave, Dave and Jared. Yeah. They're obviously going to be there. And, and Michael Shack. Obviously, you know, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to tell you who's going to be there. Michael Shack, yeah. uh, Dave and Jared from Drumeo. We'll maybe get Kyle over as well. Who else? I hope so. Yeah, I hope so. Yeah. Maybe Aaron Edgar. I would like to, I would love oh, yeah. to, yeah. to meet him okay. in person. I think he's a great drummer, a great teacher. Yeah. But, Absolutely. you know, what, whatever, it's going to be awesome. And Brandon Taze, is that the, the correct pronunciation? I think I'm, I'm getting that not, right, Brandon. I'm not really sure. <laughs> Bring them all over, man. Bring them all over. Let's, let's all come over to Europe yeah. and uh, to Eindhoven in 2021, and we'll you have bet. a big party. And you're all invited, so can't Def wait for that. And Definitely. Cool. Thank you all very right. much again, Martin. We'll catch you soon. Thank you, and uh, have a great day. Talk to you later, mate. Talk to you later, guys. Cheers, buddy. Bye-bye. Thanks, guys.